It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay, and welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. McKay, it came. It did. It came. It did. My iPhone 8. Oh, fancy. I'm kind of excited. Are you? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> six, the 6 is now in the uh, the bin of sad phones. So this phone, you can... Ch- how do you charge this phone? I can't keep it straight. I can do the wireless charging. The wireless charging. Yep. It's uh, on the Qi. Uh, so how much debt did you accrue to buy this phone is the question. Well, uh, I have one less child. <laughs> That's not all bad. No. <laughs> that's, no. that's not necessarily My wife disagrees with the one I chose. <laughs> it's but, caused some issues. No, actually, I didn't I didn't do the... The really, really expensive one is the 10 or oh, the X. okay. And I looked at it, and I thought, you know, uh, I tend to be an early adopter. You are a very early adopter. But I will let somebody else figure out facial recognition. Okay. I'll let them break that for a few t- years. Yes, and then, lots of times. See, I'm just going to keep going with the 6 that I've got here until the wheels fall off. Y- you know that you can like, replace that screen no, protector. No, it's fine. It's good. Don't worry about it. Everything's It great. looks like it's shattered from here. <laughs> it's, it's not shattered. It's just, it's a, it might be a little shattered. Are there gradations of shattered, or is it just you're either shattered or not? I, I think it's like you're either a killer or you're not a killer. <laughs> you either killed right. someone or you haven't. You shattered your phone or you haven't. It's, it's not like a... I kind of bend the truth kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, you're it's, either lying or you're not. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah your phone Yeah, my phone probably needs to go. But it still works. Like, I have no issues with this phone at all. You know, if you get a... a this is not a plug for Zag, but if you do Zag, you get a lifetime warranty. see if Zag wants to sponsor us. we should. <laughs> but you can... They will replace your your Zag cover, like, your, indefinitely. Probably. Yeah. So I was looking at uh, TechCrunch just a second ago. Google's got their new Pixel 2 XL smartphone that is getting better ratings than any Galaxy or any iPhone, based, basically anywhere you look. Are you, how invested are you mentally and emotionally into the iPhone versus would you ever go to a Google Pixel phone? No, no this is why. I have all my apps and everything on there. So literally setting up my phone was turning it on, right. logging in. So you're like, this is it's not worth the effort. No. See, that's how I'm just There's There's phone. one non-iPhone phone that i would look at okay um red the company the camera right well the camera and supposedly the display is some sort of holographic display holographic and it's red we all know about their cameras is that what that means holographic yes yes yeah but we all know like red cameras yeah yeah yeah. kind of ridiculously expensive and awesome yes yes so we have our this is a big deal for us i would say so with the podcast field trip we did we're on a field trip today yeah and with our podcast so far, we've interviewed a lot of really smart IT people, right? Mm-hmm. But they've all, to this point, been Avanti employees. Right. We now have the first of, of many. We've already got others lined up with non-Avanti IT experts. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. Absolutely. So our first, our first uh, uh, person in the hot seat, if you will, is Eric Sorensen, who's the CISO at Dutera, which is not far away from our offices here in, in the Salt Lake City area. So Eric, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, he's he was. I don't know what he thought of our first little interlude there. As I was making fun of you and talking about selling your yeah. children, that kind of thing. <laughs> I know. I think he was thinking like, "Oh, this would be like NPR." Like, no, we're <laughs> not, not NPR. Not like NPR. We're more like we're more like uh, 
like I don't know, like K Rock or something. K Rock, but except like not the that morning cool. Zoo type exactly. Thing. Yeah, maybe so. Except oh, not no. that cool. I was curious about it because I've got a Windows phone, which probably nobody here has ever heard of, right, or seen, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're in the they're in zoos. Right? You're the so one. Like, I'm the one. Probably <laughs> the, the one, or the, <laughs> they're out of three people that own them. So <laughs> you <laughs> and Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. You're in good company. But I'm I don't think Bill Gates still has a Windows no. phone. <laughs> That's right. So um, I want to just briefly go through Eric's bio here. Then we're going to do our lightning round. Then we'll get into things. So um, Eric's the CISO at uh, Dutera. Uh, before Dutera, he was CISO at a couple of other Utah-based technology companies. Uh, graduated from Utah State uh, with an undergraduate degree in business information systems. Then received an MBA, actually, from Westminster College. Grew up in Orange County. Where, where, where in Orange County? Yorba Linda. Ooh. Yeah, great area. That's Richard Dixon, area. birthplace of Richard Dixon. Yorba Linda's great. Um, three kids here in Utah, right? Yep. Very good. Here in Utah. Awesome. And you, what kind of stuff do you like to do outside of work? Oh, anything that's outdoors. You know, we go, we did a lot of skiing last year and. Where's uh, your spot? Alta. We love Alta Ski Alta's, Resort. Yeah, it's Alta's, great ski resort. Except when I'm talking to people Alta's from out of state. Alta's the fancy one. That's kind of like the hoity isn't it? No, it's, no, the, it's, it's not? the antithesis okay. of that. All right. I, in fact, I tell people when they come <laughs> from. like, no, no, it isn't. No, it's, <laughs> it's the opposite of hoity. I think they have still original lifts. <laughs> They're there. made of wood. I I, I no, like to tell people they've though, been upgraded since then. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to tell people when they come into town not to go to Alta, Why? but to go go to Deer Valley and Park City because that much better snow. Wink, wink. <laughs> so you can have Alta to yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Very That's good. Right. I'm looking out for you, Eric. Thanks, Steve. How old are your kids, that. Eric? I've got a 15 year old daughter, a 12 year old son, and a six year old girl. Daughter, That's fun. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good great. age. It's a good, good, it's a good mix. All right, so we're going to jump into a kind of a fun lightning round here right. of just random non-work-related questions, and then we'll jump into some, some meat, if you will. So first of all, favorite movie of all time, Eric? Probably have to be Star Wars Rogue One. Actually, Ooh, I like that one. That was a good one. That's a very I really good enjoyed that one. That's a recent one, too. Yeah, Usually it's like something that was made in like 1992, but this is recent. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Favorite TV show growing up? Oh boy! Probably Saved by the Bell. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So, wow! So um, I'm trying to think of the That's a good uh, one. The characters there. So I'm, everybody wanted to be you had Zach. a crush on Kelly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think Kelly. She was my favorite out of all. Did, of them, did you yeah. see yourself as kind of a Zach? Uh, maybe. Got the blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> I think most people see themselves as Zach, but they're really more of a Screech. Yeah, exactly. That's really I the was. Situation. Yeah. I, I, I was like, sure. I'm Zach. I'm Slater. No, you're Screech. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it goes. Screech wouldn't hang out with you. Uh, favorite song. Oh, Metallica, for whom the bell tolls. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we know what we're dealing, dealing with right now. <laughs> exactly. Least favorite pet you've ever had? <laughs> well, we didn't have a lot of pets growing up, but we did have a cat I didn't really enjoy very much. I don't even remember the name of it, but it was. I just don't enjoy cats. I'm with Sorry you. for I'm all with the you. cat lovers out there. No, I am no, with they're, you. They're, cats, not a big fan of cats. There's two types of people in this world. There's people... Who hate cats and people who lie about hating cats. <laughs> That's a good way to I look like at that it. very much. <laughs> good stuff. Well, on that note, I love cats. Liar. Liar, you're lying. No one likes cats. They just have them around. Okay, um, so let's jump into this. I so, have one last question. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, one Steve, last question. By all means. On a scale of really excited to exceptionally excited, how happy were you to see Utah State beat that other school? Oh, geez. Come well, on. <laughs> You're gonna find this interesting. I was happy, but I don't really root for my alma mater. So it's like my, that's the, like my wife doesn't cheer for Utah State much. Yeah, she and she. You graduated from Utah, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I say I'm a BYU guy, so we have yeah. some inherent 
enmity between us. All right, so um, <laughs> a poke there, yeah, a little poke. <laughs> that was exactly yeah, it. we're down and out at this it. point. Okay, so um, you're the CISO here at DoTerra. Yes. Tell me, um, just let's talk career real quick. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this um, this sort of a, a role? Where did you start out of school, and how has this thing evolved to where you're sitting here today? So out of school, went to work for IBM. Uh, worked there for four years or so, uh, doing a lot of uh, work in just the IT database world. They're global services, so that's like their huge outsourcing arm of the company. And then from there, moved into the banking financial world for Zions Bank Corporation. Okay. And did databases there for a few years, and then I went to health equity, and that's where I really began branching out. I saw a need at the company there to really begin an information security program, and this was about 2008, 2009 timeframe. So I went to my boss and said, hey, I'd like to do this. I think there's a need. There's a void here in the company. Let's do it. And he was supportive, which was great. Executive team was supportive, and that's just where I've been since then, which is great. So, And, and that's probably an interesting place to start that because in the healthcare world, obviously, it's not just about security, but it's about really sensitive information and all sorts of compliance issues, right? You probably had to deal with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. The HIPAA that's stuff correct. and the... Well, we had banking, so we had GLBA and oh, that's right. HIPAA, before, so we had, we had before, kind of yeah. a double whammy. Oof. Yeah, so it was pretty tough. I mean, uh, we lived like in that space. The worst of both worlds. <laughs> right. It's it's difficult. It's not easy. It's challenging. How many layers of complexity does that add to security when you're dealing with additional compliance issues in financial services and in healthcare? Like how orders is it orders of magnitude harder, or is it just you just have to worry about different stuff? Yeah, I, it's not it's not much more difficult. You just have different challenges. Uh, it, it's not more layers. It's just some things are, are similar and they can kind of bleed together, but there are certain requirements that maybe in, are in one area of regulatory compliance versus another that you have to address. So it could just add more. You just have to deal with more. Do they never do they ever kind of butt heads like oh, one yeah. is, is one one says one thing, one says you know you got to do it a totally different way, and you've got to navigate that? Uh, I haven't found it where it's like a complete opposite like that. But yeah, I mean, there are some challenges where it, maybe there's some old regulations out there that are that are just old and they haven't really been looked at or updated. So it could be a little bit challenging, but no, I wouldn't say it doesn't really butt heads. No. Okay. So you were at uh, Health Equity, um, sort of developed the whole information t- uh, security piece there. Mm-hmm. And then right. uh, at what point did you, were you there prior, just prior to coming here, immediately prior? No, I, I went from here, I went to Arches Health Plan. Oh, that's um, Okay, yeah. awesome. I remember seeing right. that in your bio, yeah. Yep, so Arches Health Plan, it was a great startup, great opportunity for a new, unique health plan to, to begin here in the state of Utah. And unfortunately, I think it ended a little too soon, but uh, it was a great jumping, uh, just a springboard for me, actually. It put me in a unique position being both a CIO and as a CISO, wearing both hats and seeing both worlds. It, it, a lot of challenges as a result, but it was a lot of fun. But in a startup like that, a startup health plan, you, you can sort of combine those hats together. And uh, that that's where I was at prior to doTERRA. So you've been at major, I mean, big companies like Zions Bank Corps, which is big. Um, health Equity, which is, I would say, a middle-sized company. Is that right. accurate? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, a startup. And then now you're here at uh, doTERRA. So how... I, I, I think that when you say you don't work in an office, but you work on a campus... That means you're big. That means you're big. Yeah. Because yeah. we're like, man, your office is nice. He's like, yeah, it's a cool campus. We're like, oh, campus. That's really big. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It is beautiful. Yes. Very nice. So, yeah, and, and, and you let us know there's like a bunch more buildings going. Like what we're seeing right. is just the start. <laughs> yeah, right. if we could put up a sign that says under construction, that's what we should do. It's, there's a lot of construction going on right now. So what have you seen as the, as the um, challenges in the IT 
or in the information security world have shifted? How has that shifted from when you first started to get into this at, at Zions and at Health Equity and Arches compared to what you're facing now? Are the threats the same? Are they different? How are they the same? How are they different? I think the threats are the same. I mean, definitely the threats evolve over time. And so the threats change constantly. I'd say the challenge is, is that this, there's much more of a spotlight now in the information security world. Uh, there, there's more companies, maybe it's regulatory compliance that require companies to come out and do notification, breach notification. In the HIPAA world, I mean, you were required. If you had a breach of 500 records or more, you had to go public with it. Um, most companies that are that are out there today don't have a requirement around that, um, but a lot of companies choose to do it, probably because they know they're going to get into some serious trouble if they don't, or it could make create greater problems if they don't. So I think we're seeing a lot more going public as a result, which is there's more spotlight on information security. And I think that actually is not a challenge. I think that's a good thing because I think that companies have generally done an okay job, but they haven't done an excellent job at addressing security threats and uh, hunting them down in their environments or looking at the vulnerabilities in their environments and what they can do to uh, mitigate those issues. I, I think going forward, let, let's, I mean, we, we need to get a little bit of background on doTERRA and sure. how, how that's kind of a different, it's a different business model than a Zions Bank or, right. you know, a health equity. Talk to us a little bit about doTERRA and and, and how it's made up and how it's a little different. Right. I mean, it's an, it's an, in the MLM space, so that direct marketing world. Mm -hmm. So it's different in that respect, right? I mean, you don't have a sales force here at the company. You have people that support the individuals out there that want to uh, be distributors for doTERRA, or we, we call them wellness advocates. And so it, it allows these people to, to you know, join and, and build a business or not build a business. Uh, doTERRA, I'd say, is a little bit unique in that space. Uh, most of their people that, that buy their products are because of the product, and we are very product-focused. Uh, and uh, as a result, the product really sells itself. And so we have a lot of people who just basically buy the product because they love the product. They don't necessarily go out to try mm -hmm. to build their business in that MLM-type traditional um, model. And so uh, doTERRA has been very successful uh, as a result. So, yeah, we are in the direct selling world. Uh, we sell essential oils. That's our, our mm -hmm. uh, business. And we have other offshoot products from those essential oils that we manufacture. And we source those from all over the world. So in, in, a, in an environment where you, it, it's, you've got all this organic growth, mm -hmm. right? How direct, I don't know, direct sale, direct, what direct do you marketing. prefer? Direct marketing. Mm -hmm. um, does that provide a, a certain uh, challenge to security when it's got all these distributors that could just pop up literally anywhere all the time? Like you, you never know what's, how that's happening or... Well, you, they, they, the company does a really good job of, of really being knowledgeable mm -hmm. of those individuals. And when they sign up and enroll, uh, you know, we're aware of them. But, yeah, I mean, it can present some unique challenges because you, typically you'll have the meetings or different uh, events and where you're going to have people enroll and sign up. And so, it, you know, they might be doing it on someone's device that's not maybe company approved, um, but it may be a company uh, website and things like that. So, sure. yeah, I mean, we have to monitor that. We have to watch and, and deal with the enrollment process and you know, we, we have to watch it end-to-end, end, right? And then that yeah. data is really important that we that we are good custodians of. So, How many uh, distributors – give us some sense, whatever you can share, in terms of the size of, of the company. Like, 
whether it's number of distributors or whatever. I mean, give us just some sense of the size because I think that does frame the scope of the complexity that Steve yeah. sure. is talking about. Yeah, we have about roughly 5 million distributors worldwide. So that's that's a lot of individuals. That's a lot of distributors. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, we continue to grow at a rapid pace. Not just, I mean, internationally we're growing much faster than we are here in the United States, but we still are experiencing growth here in the United States. Um, so you have that, and then you have the employees as well, and we're a global company, so that can create a little bit of complexity too. How many employees does Duterte have that are like full-time employees? We have around roughly close to 2,500 employees, okay. round it out. Okay. So the the complexity that I think Steve mentioned is important to, to understand because you guys are dealing with not just the challenges of full-time employees that I think most companies deal with, but you guys also have the, these distributors. And like you said, is it, do you try to manage their devices or is it just to man, try to manage the, the, the point at which they interact with your web properties and your fulfillment properties and that kind of stuff? Yeah, there's no obligation for us to manage their devices because okay. they're not like an employee, right? right? They don't issue devices to these wellness advocates. Um, they're using their own personal tech, right? So where they interact with us is on that web, on the website. And so that's the piece that we have to really, from that point on, gotcha. once that data enters our, in, into our environment, then we've got to deal with it, right? Yeah. So. And you were super open about this in our discussions just before we started recording is your team was kind of brought on after, I mean, it was well publicized, was there was a breach last, was it last summer? Uh, March of 2016. March of 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, so your t your team has kind of brought on, said, okay, we've got to get a handle on the information security side of this. Tell, mm -hmm. tell us, I mean, give us a sense of, of the focus around f fixing the wrong word, focus on making sure something like that doesn't happen again. Right. And, and you know, credit to, to doTERRA for, for looking at this. I mean, they, they were very quick to jump on this and real, realize there was a gap and there right. was a deficiency here and that they needed to actually correct that issue. And they were very quick to actually go out and search for an information security professionals to come on board and to really start to strengthen that piece that's been missing here at doTERRA. It's not, their IT side has been really good, very strong. There's a lot of very good, competent people here, but they missed that cyber information security aspect of things. So um, credit to them. They did a really good job of getting out there. You know, I'd like, I, I am a product of, of that. I mean, they hired me, which is great. I really appreciate them taking that that uh, chance on me to bring me in and to let me build a team and bring my team in. So it's been, it's been a, a, a very interesting ride to come in post breach and then to have to work through, you know, with all of our vendors and work on our own systems as well. And we're still in that fight. We're having to, it's a daily, it's a daily fight, right? Um, you're, you're never going to be, you'll, you're always exposed in my, in my eyes. But it's, There's it's always potential for exposure. Right. It, it's kind of gotta be nice though, to be able to, I mean, because of the nature with which your your team was started, right. there was there was support, and then also the ability to kind of bring on, start from scratch, and right. bring on your dream team. You know, Steve, I'm glad you said that. Actually, I, I I really appreciate that. That's one thing that really has helped me build a good team here. I think I probably have some of the best cybersecurity professionals in the state. It's a greenfield, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's what's awesome about it is there's no pre-existing constraints to come in from an information security standpoint. You can come in and say. I'm going to put my thumb on this and we can make this ours. And that's been really intriguing to my staff. And it's been a lot of fun for me as well, because we can be innovative and we have to, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we don't have an unlimited budget. We have a very nice budget and our executive team has done a lot to throw their support behind us and what we're doing, which is wonderful. They're very supportive, but 
you know, you, you got to do it within reason. And right. We can't right. just go out and spend, okay, we're going to spend a hundred million dollars doing X, Y, and Z. <laughs> and they're going to be like, whoa, hold on a minute here. I don't know. <laughs> if, sure. What are you going to address here by, by spending that much money? But it, it allows us to be innovative and not have to replace technologies, but to bring new technologies in and look at the best of breeds, which is awesome. It's been a lot of fun doing that. Does that also add some pressure because it is your thumbprint on it and yes. there's no there's no like the well, spotlights on your team you want right? to do it right especially yeah. as it, <laughs> especially because it came post breach like you said kind of right. a reaction to that mm-hmm. the spotlight's probably on you and your and your guys right yep every day and it's yeah, it's not it. like you can say well the guy before me he really <laughs> because there was no guy there was no guy before <laughs> it would be easy to yeah it'd be easy to point <laughs> fingers right yeah <laughs> so what keeps you what keeps you up at night from a security perspective we talked a little bit uh, before we started recording just about you know there were some major attacks this last summer there's always threat like our security experts always talk about you know the key is reducing that that sort of threat footprint the, the reducing the the possible avenues for a threat what keeps you up at night uh, as the CISO of a, of a big company uh, well <laughs> I can tell you after things. after talking to our security experts on a couple episodes back everything yeah, fish tanks even keep yeah, me up even hardware stuff they're like oh, gee. we were told yeah. the story about a, a, a company who was yeah. hacked through their fish tank yeah really if it was yeah. connected to their network it was a smart, it was a smart yeah. yeah 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 and, and yeah i mean and we're seeing a big internet of things these devices yeah. right and and a lot of people want to bring those into the organization and they definitely have vulnerabilities they're running on linux kernels that are old and they're not patched and i mean there's there's a lot of number of of avenues that a breach can occur these days and so yeah i have to agree with that that CISO or whoever it was <laughs> it, it it's true everything does keep you up at night there's a lot and there's so much more that there just seems to be a lot more uh with the spotlight on that there's there, just every day there's something new and there's some new thread and there's some some way that somebody has figured out to get into your environment whether and, and, and you know i think the end users too are another big aspect that uh, it keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to train your people, but you got to protect their devices at all costs. So, yeah, it's we t- so that's it's interesting now that you mentioned that because our in our security experts that we've interviewed on the podcast so far, they talk a lot about the end users and right. controlling um, things that you can control without without making the experience negative for the end user because that's the whole key is you want your end user to be satisfied, right? But you also don't want to make the company vulnerable because you've you've given them too much um, leverage or opportunity to introduce threats into the system. How do you balance right. that, right? Like end user satisfaction versus protecting the business and the data associated with it. Right. And going back to what I said with the, the, the opportunity with Greenfield is that now we can really come in here and take a look at this in a different, take a different approach and looking at the end user and you know, that's that's a big challenge uh, in, in information security and building an ISMS is that, uh, you know, taking that risk-based approach, you really need to look at all areas of risk because you've got employees that travel all over the world, especially here in doTERRA. You have employees that are uh, responsible for different functions of jobs. And so, you know, their exposure to uh, certain uh, maybe risks are, are different, right? Everyone's got a different mm-hmm. risk profile and things. And so, you know, some may be accessing servers, some don't access servers, you know, you have call centers, you have PCI compliance, you have a number of different factors that really um, all come together that you have to individually look at group by group, what are my risks by group by group. And so taking a risk based approach really helps us understand that and understand, okay, who are the end users that we have to be that are more risky than others. And you just kind of balance that and work it out. And uh, it's just a challenge. 
something that doesn't go away. Have you, have you, um, because we talked before, you like, I want you to reveal your secret sauce or whatever, but what are the high level approaches you've taken to managing that, uh, threat field and reducing the opportunities for, for risk, right? What are, what are, give me the specifics you can about the things you try to, how you try to approach it and the things you try to do. Right. Risk assessments are, are absolutely key. I mean, it's, it's really important to be able to go in and, and to explain to people, Hey, we're not here to just put controls on things, unnecessary controls. Cause that's where I think a lot of business people get turned off with information security is they, and professionals in the space is they're used to somebody coming in saying, you have to put, you have to do this, you have to do this, and you have to do this. There's no explanation as to why. And sometimes it just seems, it, it, it really creates a lot of frustration because some people have a more difficult time or it's challenging to get their jobs done. So it, it's nice to be able to go into a business function and say, okay, can we come in and can we look at the risk? Can we just sit and observe your people? Can we get on calls with them? Can we watch what they do and observe and just kind of take a, a profile of, okay, what what is risky and what's not? And then we can come back and provide that assessment to the business and say, okay, here are the risks that we would suggest you take or actions you take. You can choose to take them or not. You can accept the risk. But, you know, we now have this formalized in a risk mm-hmm. management. We have you sign off on that so that you really, I mean, your butt's on the line, right? I mean, right, you want right. to say it that way. So, I mean, but we've made them aware of those risks and then they can choose to address it or not. I think that's the thing that is is the best for me, the, the best approach that we take as a team and, and my, that my team takes and for myself is that's the approach we take because then you're coming about, coming at it as more of a partner you know, we're here to make you better. We're here to make you aware of the risks that you and the threats that you face as a department, not just as a company. And then we can roll that up to, you know, our company, to our executive teams. Do you so. find that helps you, that, that listening phase, you know, really seeing what they need to do? Does that help with buy-in? Yeah, it does. Um, and I also think where it helps is not only are you listening to them, but you're observing what they do on a day-in and day-out basis in the business. And what that presents is that, to them, they see that, hey, this person genuinely is interested in protecting us as an employee, as a company, but more importantly, they're not here to just try to just say, this is what you're going to live. You're going to live with this, deal with it, sucks to be you, we know that, but you got to just deal with it now. Sucks to be you. You know, that, yeah. that's, that's not our approach. It's a totally different approach, so it's from a partnership standpoint. We're here to help you to explain your risks to address those risks with you in a partnership manner. Well, I think that goes to McKay, some, some of the things that we've heard on on other interviews, right? Where it used to be you know, the the security team would create rules for the sake of creating, like they just, these are the rules right. and, and this is what they are. Yep. Versus I think what you described is that collaborative effort with the end user. And um, I mean, I, I remember companies I've worked for like, yeah, but they don't, the, the security team doesn't understand. We need this tool to do our job better. This will this means this. And there was never that collaboration. It was, it was the, well, these are the rules and this is what we said. And it's cause I said so. Right. So, and you, you got to trust us. You, you got to say, you, yeah. I mean, but when there's that listening phase where we're, we're talking or communicating a little bit, I can at least say, Hey, we need this. And then you can say back, well, we can't do it because, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's too much risk. It, it, you know, whatever reason you can give them, but, they feel heard, and I think that there's that, that additional buy-in there. Yeah, it helps. Yes. How important are things? Because our our guys talk a lot about just if more companies did the basics. Like w- we ran an analysis that found like with WannaCry, if if basic patch management was happening, that would have eliminated 
85% of the, the threat for that specific attack. Like, do you think that that's true in terms of the, just do the basic stuff that users don't even know or care about. It's literally just like, do patching correctly. Make sure that the basics are taken care of before you make sure everybody is, anyway, I'm asking that poorly, but do you think that's true? Yes. You certainly can't ignore the basics, right? The fundamentals to security have to be addressed. You can't ignore those. And those are, if you look at a lot of the breaches, it's because fundamentals were ignored. I mean, the Equifax breach, yep. uh, we still don't know all the details and we should wait for more to come out. But, you know, at least out what's out there, what you're hearing about is some vulnerabilities were there. They were unpatched. And it looks like that may have been exploited. That's why the company had their breach, potentially, well, right? Real basics. Know, Did you hear about their password? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like super there, basic. There's, there's another issue, right? Yeah. I mean, password I mean, management and I mean, their password uh, is something like what admin or something or admin, like some, admin. Yeah, it was, I think it was admin admin. And, yeah. So basics so, like patching, um, password management, password man application whitelisting. I don't know if you guys do any of that. I mean, there's there's just basics like that that are that seen every every security expert we've talked to says, look, if people would just do, but they get try to get so fancy and do science projects. It's literally about doing the basics, and you solve 85% of the problems. Right, and then you can address it at the people level, too, your employee level, with basics, with training, helping educate them. I mean, there's a lot of spear phishing. I mean, we're still seeing that going around in the banking industry right now. There's still a tremendous amount of spear phishing going around, and it's going to probably continue. It's a, it's an easy method of, of breach, and it's it's people unfortunately are, are vulnerable to that and so educating your people is a, is another aspect of the basics I think that's really critical good point I, I worked for uh, I worked I, a lot of times IT security teams they'll they'll send out uh, a fake phishing mm -hmm. to see how many email. people click on it yeah and I remember I had a, I had a team one time where you, the way that you knew that it that it that it worked is their phishing scam would take over your computer turn up the volume, and play Rick Astley. <laughs> and you got Rick rolled you by your Rick IT, rolled by the IT team. And I just remember hearing this, like, this one, this one guy, he's like, yeah, they'll never get me. I can see it <laughs> a mile away. Got, and all of a sudden, we're here, we're going to get you. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Um, organizationally, we were talking about this, a couple, a couple of additional areas here. So organizationally, we're, we're seeing a lot of CISOs as it becomes like a position that companies know they have to have. Mm -hmm report into the CIO. In other cases, we've talked about it reporting to the CTO. In other cases, in some cases, reports into the CEO himself or even potentially the board. How, right. how, how does doTERRA structure that? And what do you think is are the pros and cons of, of each approach? Sure. doTERRA structures it. I'll just go with the doTERRA side first, and then yep. I can address yep. the, the question in general, I think. Uh, so doTERRA has me reporting directly to the CIO. Um, and then who reports in turn directly to the CEO of the company. Um, and, and that's pretty, I think, normal in the industry. You, you typically have a lot of, uh, I think, just executives who don't really know what to do with security professionals. They don't really understand it. Um, they just think it's an IT, uh, like an IT person. Uh, I also think that information security is treated as it's an IT problem. And mm -hmm. so that's why they just throw it into that bucket. It's just IT. So it's an IT problem. It's all deals with that cyberspace, so it's got to be IT. So I think that's why you typically see that reporting structure through IT. I think what we're seeing now is the industry starting to shift and starting to realize that if it's you truly have what we call in our profession an ISMS, an information security management system or program, if you truly have that and it's established correctly, 
you're taking a risk-based approach to things and you're not taking that control-based approach. And so when you're taking a risk-based approach, you're now able to provide risk assessments and risk to the business in terms that they understand and that they can now address. And so the business can look at these things uh, at, a, at a larger level and say, oh, okay, my information security teams looked at this and here are the risks that they found and it's not necessarily addressable through technology. So how are we gonna address this? So you're starting to see a shift, and I hope it continues, that, that the boards of companies, well, I'd love to see CISOs and CSOs more on boards these days. I don't think you have as much of that. That would be one good change that would happen. But I think what you're also seeing is a shift away. You're bringing that CISO or CSO into the executive team, reporting directly to the CEO or uh, CFO or chief operating officer. It doesn't really matter, but you're bringing them in at a higher level because they're now addressing things differently than a technology type er, uh, problem. And so it's gonna continue to evolve and I think we'll see that evolve more and more. And as companies get more and more serious about information security, I think you're gonna see that shift away from more technology reporting into more of the C-suite within some other uh, executive. I think it's it's as behavioral as anything else, right? It's, I mean, the technology is just there to to facilitate it, but I mean, whether or not you click on a, a phishing scam email and know how to do that, whether or not you patch your stuff, whether or not you, you know, go to shady websites, you know, <laughs> right? You know, that's a behavioral thing, right? Right? It's a well, people problem. That's right. And one of the other things that our security experts internally and then other people we've talked to talk about a lot is that it's really difficult to man to, to secure what you can't see, right? Right. And so we're finding a lot of people like. With our products, for example, will if they aren't tracking, if they're not doing asset management properly, like we're like, okay, yeah. well, you can't do security properly, right? Um, would you? How would you assess that? I mean, is that a step sometimes people overlook in the security space? Sure, kind of the basics, right? I, I mean, if you don't know where your assets, what assets you even have, um, what what you own, and what assets are showing up on your network every day, absolutely, it's really important. I mean. You either manage it or you don't, or you need to prevent those assets from even uh, accessing your network, especially if you don't own them. You know, they may come on, uh, if they connect, they may have an exploit on them. And next thing you know, that thing's moving laterally in the network, and now you've got an infection. I remember at IBM, crazy experience when I was there in the global services team doing database support. I remember calling up a company when that whole uh, SQL Slammer came out. And I remember saying, look, we need to patch your database versions or your databases here because you're gonna be hit with this. And they were like, well, we're seeing it our firewall on our edge, we're, we're blocking it, we're fine. Well, somebody had a personal edition installed on their laptop and as soon as they came in Monday morning and connected, boom, their whole network went down. And you know, I mean, you can see that, you know, those types of things, and it was actually a company provided asset, but that, that's really important. It's really important. Shouldn't gotta focus on it. So you, you you've been at this for a little while, right? right. You you've been able to, to kind of build your team here, right? How have you seen things change since you started in this space to to now? I'm seeing a lot more buy-in. Uh, I'm seeing. And are you talking about here in, at DoTerra or no, just in general in the in, in, the, oh. in the industry as a whole? I mean, it, it seems like based off the nature of your team, there's buy-in. Yeah. But in general. Or, or specifically here? Yeah, I, I mean, we're seeing great progress here. It's really exciting to see people uh, people reaching out to us and saying, hey, can you come look at what we do and evaluate, take a risk-based approach and evaluate what we're doing and tell us where our risks are at? It's great to see just 
departments reach out to us and say, hey, we need help. Um, our fraud team is one. We've been working closely with them, and it's been great. And we can help them, and then they can help us in turn. And with that vision that they've had now open up, they're like really excited about what we're able to do together, which is great. I'd say in the industry, I, I think because of the spotlight on all these breaches, we're seeing a lot more companies get more and more serious about it. And that's a good thing, but it's we're not there, you know. And it feels like in the information security space and as professionals in the space, it feels like we're in almost a losing battle in many <laughs> with many respects. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's very challenging. Just because there's always new stuff and there's always new threats and new ways those threats are attacking. Is that what you mean? Not necessarily at that level. It just seems like there's just, there's challenges at the company. People don't move as fast as you would like them to move um, with making changes. Uh, The other challenge would be, I think there's just, there's, it's easy to get into that other side of the space. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's money, there's a lot of money and it's very easy to get sucked into that space. And I think there's just more and more people who are like, Hey, I can be a guy that sits at home in my couch and I can disrupt. I can do different things. I want to disrupt a company or I want to, I want to, you know, go after an exploit and I want to try to earn money. You know I mean? There, there's, I think there's a lot of challenges because of that. I think there just feels like there's this overwhelming side of there's more people in that, on that evil side than the good side. Well, um, I, I think part of the problem is, you know, being in charge of the security, you've got to be right. Every single time. Yeah, you're wrong once, and there's problems. All, all that guy challenge. has to do, he has to, he be, has to right be right once. once. That's right. And make it work once. And he can fail a lot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't fail. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly right. You can't fail. That's, right. that's an interesting way to look That's at a it. good point. What do you tell your bosses that, too? And they're like, I have to be right 100% of the time, guys, and I am. So I said, that would be good. Um, so right. last couple here. So sure. future of IT security. You're, let's say, 10 years from now. What is the IT security landscape, not just here at doTERRA, but just broadly? What, what's changed? Where are the threats? What, what are the threats like compared to where they are now? What's, what's the same what's different 10 years from now in the IT security world? Well, I, I mean, you definitely have seen a shift. I think years ago, it was, you know, it, it, the headlines, right? Oh, this company got bre- hacked and the hackers wanted to really go after a company. That's They went after the company at their you know, firewall level, try to breach the firewall, get in and do, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're going to disrupt. It's not to say that doesn't happen. I think it still happens. But I think what where it's really changed over the, the last number of years is now they move to the employee. They move to the individual, the endpoint. Uh, instead of trying to go after the company and their firewalls, you're shifting now to that actual employee because it's an easier method. It's an easier path for them to come and get into the company. So I think that's where one of the big shifts are at. I think we've seen browser-based attacks. I mean, that one of the things that I've just always been a big, um, just something that I've really have had just struggles with is that we continue to do business in a, in a regular browser. You know, browsers were never built for a security uh, purpose. You know, they were built to watch a video, to play games, to listen to music, and so it's more of an open system. Fantasy and football. Fantasy football. That's right. Fantasy (laughs) football. Yeah, I mean, there you go, right? I mean, and so you can see because of that, there's a lot of exploits and a lot of companies get breached as a result of those types of things in addition to their employees. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there needs to be more, uh, companies need to be looking at more innovative technologies. It's an easy, e-commerce is a very easy platform to transact in and it's Mm -hmm. cheap, right? 
Um, but at the same time, it's not the most secure platform and you can do whatever you can on your back end. but how, when the enterprise extends out their application to that end user and they're accessing it on their home browser and their machine is infected, well, how many you times, know, how can you protect them? Right. How many times worked for a company have they said, Hey, we'll put that in a Google doc. And then that way, nor wherever you're at, wherever you're at, you can access right. that, which you do. I mean, cause you just throw it on an online doc and you're, you're good and you're on browser, you know? Yeah. Right. Final question for me. Um, we got a lot of IT people listening to the podcast. Every other security person we've talked to has mentioned that this is IT security is it's a huge focus for businesses in terms of hiring headcount investment in the future. You've mentioned that. Mm-hmm. If someone's got another job in some other sector of IT, what do they need to do to become an IT security expert and get those jobs? Because there's a lot of jobs out there in IT security. Right. There are. Here in the state of Utah, I think there's more than 2,500 available right now, opened up, and we have, I mean, there's definitely a huge shortage. So what you're telling me is I should enroll in an IT security course (laughs) of some sort tonight? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. I mean, they're offering degrees in that now. Sorry, Steve. No, no, no. no. I was going to say clearly, McKay. (laughs) I do. Please, quickly. (laughs) But so is it just a matter of literally going back to school, or how do you you self-train this? without having to go back and get a degree. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of security professionals are, uh, you know, at least the older ones. I mean, I've got some seasoned veterans on my on my team, and a lot of them were more on the technical side of things, and, the, uh, you know, whether it's databases or networks and things. I think the networking guys have uh, more of an advantage than anyone, I think, uh, just because of that, that. That experience really brings a lot in the security space, especially in the security engineer space. But, you know, I mean... I. There's there's colleges now. A lot of colleges and universities, and even these online universities, offer uh, degrees in cybersecurity, uh, master's degrees or undergraduate degrees. That could be one one area. Uh, you could work on some certifications, perhaps. You know, you can work on becoming an ethical hacker, or you know, just just almost self teaching yourself, but maybe going and looking at these types of um, augmenting your your education through certifications. I don't think there's really any clear path to being like this puts you in the greatest path um, to, on an information security course. I, I think that having a technical background certainly helps in, in many respects uh, because you're interfacing with information technology groups all the time, so it certainly helps. But, you know, I, I, I'd say there's a number of things that you can do. Going back to school is one. Working on some certifications is another. I mean, you got compliance, you got risk. That you there's all sorts of areas. Into. Yeah, I mean, and it's growing. Am I am I wrong right. in that assessment? I mean, it seems like it, there's tons of jobs there. Yes, and they're good jobs. Yes, very good jobs, well-paying jobs, and companies know that they need to offer to uh, bring individuals in that have these have this experience, and even junior level people. I mean, that's that's one thing I think is a great way of bringing people up in this industry is taking someone and saying, you know what, hey, we find we, we like the drive that you have and the will. And mm-hmm. let's let's actually train you, and let's have you sit down with our people and be trained by some experts in this space. I think that actually is a really good way of, of helping these individuals grow their career and becoming information security professionals. That's great, Eric. Thanks for the time. We really appreciate yeah, it. Well, you're you. a busy guy, and it was it was wonderful to see the not office but campus. Campus, yes, the campus. <laughs> Erica had many great things to say, but she, she did. She, she won't. She just won't say anything she, on the podcast. She can't. It's a shame. I don't know yeah. why. It's well, weird. I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no Eric, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, any final thoughts for the for the uh, audience? Uh, just 
you know, don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. We're, don't we'll, give we'll, up. We'll turn the game. We'll we'll start winning. That's good advice in life. That's <laughs> really. good advice. In life. We, we we'll have a separate podcast where Eric gives us just life advice. <laughs> Maybe that's where my that's where I'm better at. You know, life advice. <laughs> life advice. I love it. A career coach. You know. There, there we go. Number one, you're right, 100 percent of the time. <laughs> exactly. I like that. Well, connect with us and uh, the other fans on the Interchange IT Podcast Facebook page, and on Twitter at Interchange Pod. Uh, you can also email us uh, at uh, interchangeitpodcast at avanti.com. Did you forget the email there for a second, Steve? Yeah, Felt I like did. you did a little bit. I did. That's all right. No worries. That's why I wrote You're it You're not down. perfect 100% of the time. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but that's why I'm in sales <laughs> and not exactly. IT security. Uh, you can connect with me on Twitter at Steve Error. And McKay, where can we find you? At McKay S. Allen. Do not forget the S. Don't forget the S or you will get some crazy stuff up in your Twitter. Yes, and you don't want that. No, you don't want that. And finally, thank you to the Big Giant Circles for our music. It's great music. Thanks, everybody. Good luck. Change IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.